0: God's timing isn't about Jesus getting here sooner. God's timing is about Jesus getting here at the right time. Because God wants every person possible to come to repentance. God wants every person possible to come to repentance. Now, big word repentance. Repentance means to turn away from the direction you were going and go a different way. Specifically, when we're talking spiritually, repentance is to turn away from your sin and turn to God. God is taking his time with us with this world because he wants every single person possible to be able to come to be in his relationship with him, to be in heaven, to know God, to know eternal life. He is being patient because he wants them to be a part of this. How many of you had somebody you wanted to come with you this weekend? How many of you had people you wanted to come that didn't get to come? There are people you wanted to be along on the journey that don't get to go. I've had great opportunities where I get to go cool places and do cool things, and I want my friends to come with me, but they don't have the opportunities. My best friend and I, we travel around the country, and we do ministry in some really cool places, but he's... He's at a younger stage than me in life. He's about 10 years younger than me. And he just got to the place where two years ago he got married. So all of a sudden his availability to go with me to places wasn't as great. Because now he's got a new wife and a grown-up job. And he can't just ride around the country with me and do cool stuff. So he had to wait. Well, again, guess what? Back in December, guess what happened? They had a baby. So now his time is less available because he has other priorities and other things that do. So now I'm at the place where if I want to do travels with him, I've got to schedule it like a year in advance. I've got to get his wife's approval, which I don't mind because he's being a good husband. And I've even got to schedule it and a lot of times to make sure he's got a babysitter. And straight up, there are times I do that because he's important enough for what I'm doing That I'm going to take the time to make sure that I can have him with me when we do stuff. I don't want to leave him behind. I just, I don't want to do that. And I'm gonna tell you this God is patient, not just with you, not just with me, but with this entire world for generations, for thousands of years. He has been patient. Think about this. Peter wrote this, Peter was alive. When Jesus was there, and he wrote this, and it still applies to us two thousand years later. And Peter said, "A day is like a thousand years of the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day." We some people discredit Jesus. Some people discredit God. Some people say God's not real. Jesus isn't real because he hasn't come back yet. Listen, his coming, his patience in coming back isn't about his not having, him not having the ability. His patience in coming back is because he wants as many people as possible to be saved, to have that opportunity. Just real quick, before we go any further, I just want to ask you this. Is he waiting on you? Is he waiting on you? Could you, I mean, I know there are not just, I know you're not the only person left on the planet that doesn't know Jesus. He's not like, oh, got you, all right, let's go. He's not that. Literally, just last year, Just last year, 169 unreached people groups were reached in Africa. Now, how many of you knew that there were even 169 unreached people groups left on the planet? See? I'll I'll be straight up with you. I didn't know. I, like, I do a lot of domestic ministry. I don't do a lot of foreign ministry. And when I read the statistic that there were 169 unreached people groups that, and it wasn't last year, it was 2017. In 2017, there were 169 new groups of people that heard about Jesus for the very first time. 2,000 years later, and people are still hearing about Jesus for the first time. listen. God's work's not done. So if you're ever wondering what's taking so long, it's us. He loves us enough to be patient with us. I'm going to tell you this. He's being patient with you. He's being patient with your friends. He's being patient with your family. Y'all, I was a married, grown-up, and a pastor of a church before my mom met Jesus. When I grew up, neither of my parents knew Jesus. My mom didn't meet Jesus until years later. I grew up thinking my mom was never going to meet Jesus, realistically speaking. I went through Bible college and started ministry, and we're having our first child when my mom finally came to meet Jesus. I literally thought it's never going to happen. You know who I really didn't think was going to ever meet Jesus? My mother-in-law. She's the worst. Like, She's not, it's not that she was just a bad person. She just didn't know God and it showed. And I thought not only is my mother-in-law never going to meet Jesus, she's never even going to come to church. Y'all, I'm not kidding. Watch how God works. My mother-in-law lost her house. And remember I mentioned the flood we were talking about like earlier in the the services. My mother-in-law lost her house in the flood my wife and I helped my mother-in-law get a new home. My church was a space where people could come get food if they didn't have food. One day, when we were re- once we rebuilt our church after the flood, there's an organization called Somebody Cares. And all they do is give people food and clothes and stuff after disasters. Somebody Cares came and said, hey, we're going to feed 2,000 people here today. And they invited everybody in the community to come be a part because it was the day we reopened our church. And they said, "Look, we are not expecting you to come all to come to our church. You can't fit two thousand people in my church. It's not that big." Um, but we said, "We're gonna." They said they're gonna feed two thousand people, and invite everybody that could use food and clothes and stuff like that. We invited my mother-in-law. Never in the world thought she'd show up. Never thought it was possible. My mother-in-law showed up that day to get clothes and food. She has not missed a Sunday of coming to church since like October. She's asking my wife questions about the Bible. They're involved in Bible studies. Listen, my mother-in-law, like, I know she's not Satan, but there's a while I was concerned. <laughs> like, like realistically, the day we were getting married, my mother-in-law broke into the church we were getting married and stole my wife's wedding dress. I mean, so it was, like, it's that kind of serious. Like, so I never thought that would be a thing where she would meet Jesus. And now, like, I'm literally on Sunday mornings preaching and I look over and it still alarms me sometimes because I'm thinking there's no way God's gonna save that person. But I'm gonna tell you this, God loves her. God wants her to come to repentance. God wants that. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm saying all this. I know there's some silliness involved, but please understand, there is no one God doesn't want, and he's being patient with them, and I want you to understand, he's being patient with you, because please understand, he wants you. If you are wasting time because you think this is something you should worry about later, it's not. This is a now thing. This is a now thing. All right, let's go to the next verse. Uh, Colossians 4 verse 5 and 6 remember how we said earlier one of the verses we read this morning said make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil check us out this kind of says the same thing be wise in the way you act towards outsiders make the most of every opportunity let your conversation always be full of grace season with salt so that you may know how to answer every one This verse tells us we need to make the most of every opportunity with someone who doesn't know Jesus because your interaction with them could be the way they meet Jesus. Let your conversation be full of grace, meaning kindness. Not just kindness, kindness beyond what people deserve. You know what got my mother-in-law coming to church? Grace. Because she did not deserve the stuff that she got. But we gave her kindness beyond what she deserved, and that kindness beyond what she deserved helped her meet God. Now, she's not a Christian yet, but, man, she's so much closer than she's ever been. Like, it would, I'm waiting. Like, realistically speaking, I know the sermons that are coming up at my church. I'm Easter. Like, I'm praying hard, right? I've been praying hard for days and weeks. That's on Easter, the message that they're going to hear, that my mother-in-law is going to meet Jesus. I've been praying. Hey, y'all can pray with me. When you get Easter Sunday and you're putting on your snazzy pastel outfits and getting some candy and some chocolate and going to church with grandma or wherever you're going, Easter Sunday, pray for Hector's mother-in-law. You can do that with me. Um, But this says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. Guys, listen. If you know Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you specifically right now. If you don't know Jesus, you can plug your ears. Just kidding. Don't do that. Um, But realistically, I'm talking to Christians. Every time you are around someone who doesn't know Jesus, is God giving you the opportunity to help them get closer? Every time. And this verse says, make that opportunity. Make the most of it. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, that doesn't mean like you just randomly throw open Bibles at them and hope they're going to read some scripture. Listen, that, does that sound wise? No. And listen, when we, when we read that scripture this morning, how did it say that we figure out what wisdom is? Numbering our days, but beyond that, that last verse we said that we learn and understand what God's will is. You want to be wise in these situations? Start praying and understanding what God's will is. Because if you are a Christian, God is using you to help people who don't know Jesus meet Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want you to look, seriously think. Think of how many times God has put something in front of you to simply say, I love you and I want you to come to me. Look at your life. Look at the situations. Because I'm telling you this, if you don't know Jesus and you're here, God has been doing things to get you to know him. God has been doing things to say, look at me, I love you. God has been calling out to you. But some of us, we just don't pay attention. How many of y'all ever uh, liked somebody at school or something and you really wanted to subtly show them, hey, look at me? but you were trying to be super stealthy and not awkward and a creeper? Um, uh, shh, shh. I've been there. I pretty much stayed a middle schooler for like 28 years. Um, but seriously, sometimes we try and show people affection and we try and show people we care and we're awkward and we don't know what we're doing. You've seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse like, hey. (laughs) Shoulder touch. Shoulder touch. Um, um, Listen, God's not awkward. God doesn't mess this up. Every time God gives you an opportunity, it's perfectly placed for what you needed right then. I'm going to tell you this, God has put things in your life to show you he loves you, but maybe you just haven't been paying attention. So like I said, God is being patient, waiting for the people to meet him. I'm gonna tell you this, if you're here and you don't know him yet, he has been patient with you and he has been trying to show you in so many ways that he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Guys, Please understand, when God, when I tell you about repentance and becoming a Christian, it's not just about not going to hell. It's not just about going to heaven. Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the fullest. Jesus doesn't just want your life and your relationship with him to start in heaven. He wants it to start now. He wants you to have abundant life here that leads to eternal life there. One of the things is I, I didn't have an awesome childhood. My childhood was not great, and it was not fun in a many ways, and it was very painful in a lot of ways. I knew I, what type of dad I wanted to be. I knew the things I wanted my kids to be able to do, and I wanted my children to have the best. Not just about having cool stuff. I wanted them to have the most opportunities. I wanted them to have so many things. I wanted my kids' life to be way better than my life was and way better than my wife's life was. I wanted my kids to have every opportunity to experience life to the fullest. I've got an 11 year old, a nine year old and a five year old and I promise you, they've done more cool things and experienced more in the last five years than I experienced in the 35 years before that. Because I want my kids to have an abundant life. And listen, I'm an okay father, God's an awesome father. When he tells you he wants you to have abundant life, he's not just talking about, oh, I'm going to take you to Legoland. He's saying, I want you to have real life, to have the best. So if you've been one of these people that have been holding back because you didn't know what a relationship with God looks like, I'm going to tell you this. He's a loving father that wants the best for his child. Don't hold back because you're scared. If you have questions about what that looks like, you can talk to your counselor. You can ask these questions, but I'm going to tell you this. God is calling out to you because he loves you. Let's go to our next scripture. Now, again, Christians, non Christians, let's listen. Let's hear, hear this here. This is in the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. He says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with, check it out, with great patience and careful instruction. What kind of patience? Great, great patience. What kind of patience does God have? great patience, great patience and careful instruction. Just check it out. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. That means the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago said, hey, y'all, one day people aren't going to listen to the truth. Spoilers, it's happening. Um, (laughs) We're there. Um, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They said instead of listening to the truth, they're, gonna get, they're just going to find people to tell them what they want to hear. Y'all, that's the internet. That's most of your friends. That's Facebook. That's Instagram. Literally, you can find anybody to tell you that you're right. doesn't matter how wrong you are you can find a group of people somewhere to tell you you're perfectly right. You, you, you. I mean, literally, there are people, there are flat earthers. If that's you, I'm sorry. Um, um, there are people who genuinely believe the earth is flat. And there's a whole internet community saying, yeah, you're right. There, they, there are people that have a wrong idea And they are surrounded by people that tell them, yes, you're right, even though they're totally wrong. I'm telling you this. Don't just listen to the people that tell you what you want to hear. Find the people that will tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. Because that scripture told us the time is coming when people will not listen to the truth. Verse 4 says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But look, this is an instruction to Christians. The first line, preach the word. Now, straight up, that's not talking to your pastor. That's not talking to your camp director. That's not talking to your counselor alone. That's talking to you. If you know Jesus, you have a responsibility to tell other people about him. That's on you. If you're a Christian, if Jesus is inside you, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, if you have a personal relationship with God, it is your responsibility in the time you have been given to tell people about Jesus. If you do not use that time, are you using it wisely? If you don't use the time you've been given to tell other people about Jesus, remember, we're supposed to learn from God's word what we're supposed to do. If you don't use the time you have to tell other people about Jesus, you are not using your time wisely. Remember all those jelly beans? You might as well take a shovel and just throw them away because you are not using it wisely. Now, it says, check it out, preach the word. Check it out, be prepared in season and out of season. On the season thing, Most people think the only time you talk about God is church and camp. That's in season. Guess when out of season is? Everywhere else. You don't just preach the word at camp and church. In season, out of season. You be ready wherever you're at. Be ready wherever you're at. Today, you know where I went? I went and had lunch with an old camp counselor that I worked with, or dinner with an old camp counselor I worked with, and then, I also went to a comic book shop. You know what I talked about the comic book shop? Batman. Um, you know what else I talked about the comic book shop? Jesus. I got into a conversation about Jesus at a comic book shop today, and you know what? That's out of season. That dude saw me walk in. We started talking about an issue called Detective 1000. Remember I told you Batman turned 80, 1,000 issues of Detective of Batman? I bought a copy of it today because I only had it on my Kindle and I wanted a physical copy. So I went and bought a copy while I was here. And I got into a conversation at the comic book shop with a guy about Jesus. He did not expect a conversation about Jesus. He didn't want a conversation about Jesus. But we had one. And I was nice, and I was kind, and he was not angry at me about it. Now, did that guy get saved right there? Did I pray and lead him to Christ right there today? Not today. But you know what? I considered how to use my words wisely around an outsider. I let my conversation be full of grace. I let it be seasoned with salt so I I might know how to answer each one. I was prepared in season and out of season. You are going to be put in places that only you will have the chance to share about Jesus. Be ready. And y'all, this isn't just for older kids. You remember when I told you the story earlier about the 169 unreached people groups in Africa who had been reached? Guess who reached them? Children Missionaries no one under no one over the age of 10 is involved in this organization they train up children to share the gospel because children are welcomed where adults are not and they sent out children into different areas in Africa and these children reached I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making this up. There's a whole study about it in Francis Chan's new book, Letters to the Church. I just did my small group with, with my church on Wednesday, and I was blown away when I saw these numbers. Children, little people reached 169 new people groups that adults hadn't reached in 2,000 years because they were prepared, they were ready in season and out of season, and they used their time wisely. So if you're sitting here thinking, I'm not old enough, wrong. Wrong. Don't listen to people who are going to tell you you're right. Listen to people who are going to tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. You're not too young. You, listen, when you meet Jesus, you don't get the discount VeggieTales version of Jesus. For the record, that's not a knock on VeggieTales. Love me some Larry, okay? The world needs a hero. Yes, I love, I love Larry. I love Bob. But listen, when you meet VeggieTales, when you meet that, that's not just a kid version of Jesus. When you are a child and you meet Jesus, you get the real Jesus. You don't get the kid version. When you, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you don't get the Holy Spirit Jr., You don't get the Happy Meal Holy Spirit. You get the real thing. You are qualified to teach the gospel, but when you are a child, it doesn't matter. You don't have to reach a certain age to be able to actually share the truth of God's word. So stop thinking you're too young. 169 unreached people groups just heard the gospel for the first time because children younger than everyone in here shared it. You can do work. You can do this. But look, it says not only are you supposed to preach the word, but it says uh, that you are to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Listen, correcting means when something's wrong, you tell it. Hey, what you just did wasn't the right thing. I'd like to show you what the right thing is. Y'all, I hate correcting people, I hate confrontation. I don't like it, it is not my deal. I'm an encourager, I encourage you all day long. If I have to tell you to your face that you're doing something wrong, I'm the worst at that. But guess what scripture tells me I'm supposed to do? To do it. Literally, remember I mentioned my small group on Wednesday night? During my small group this past Wednesday night, the same night we were talking about the 169 unreached people groups, an almost fist fight broke out between two 70 year old ladies. I'm not kidding. It's on video. We recorded it. We were recording our small group because we were putting it on our podcast, which we can't put that one on our podcast now. Um, I can't send it to you. But legitimately, two 70-year-old ladies almost got in a fist fight because they were angry about who was talking more in small group. And so I'm standing at a podium just like this, leading a Bible study. Right back over here, two 70-year-old ladies are about to get in a fist fight. And my youth pastor is sitting right here, do something. I'm like, no. (laughs) And I straight up, I was afraid to get in the middle of this. And so I stood there. You know what I should have done? You know what, looking back, ladies, ladies, hey, you're not speaking in love and kindness. Let's save this for discussion for later, and we can talk about these attitudes. I should have corrected that. Instead, I stood behind my podium and kind of ducked. <laughs> because I know I messed up. Full disclosure, I messed up. You need to be ready to rebuke or to correct it with patience and careful instruction. Check it out. Rebuke and correction, encouragement, all those things work together. Correcting someone is showing them the right path. Rebuking them is letting them know they're on the wrong path. Encouragement is giving them the strength and encouragement to move forward. But notice, it says we're supposed to do all that with careful instruction. Because listen, the time is coming. And I'm going to tell you guys this now. If you're here and you're not a Christian, realize people aren't trying to be pushy to hurt your feelings or be mean to you. They just want you to know Jesus. And sometimes that takes correcting. Okay, it's not about being mean. It's not about being pushy. They just want to help you. Okay, but listen, if you're a Christian, you have a responsibility. All right, one more slide, and we're going to finish up tonight. Let's check it out. As long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent. Or we must do the works of Him who sent me. Night is coming, when no one can work. Jesus is saying, while we've got the time to do the work, do it because there's a time coming when you won't be able to. Listen, it is harder to teach about Jesus now in public than it was forty years ago. It is harder to teach about Jesus in public than it was forty years ago. Um, Mr. Dave, did you you taught in the schools with Miss Grace, right? Mr. Dave, back in the day, not that he's super old or anything, but back in the day, what? Yeah, you are okay. But listen, in the schools I grew up in, Mr. Dave and the lady my camp was named after we literally go into the schools and teach the whole school about Jesus. Then the attitude shifted, the heart shifted, and they weren't allowed to teach in the schools. They had to teach on the outside of the schools. And they had to start everything over. And they went from teaching every kid to teaching a chunk of kids. Now the attitude towards that is shifting. And it's getting harder even with those kids to be able to get that opportunity. It is getting harder and harder to tell people in this world about Jesus. So Jesus says, while you have the chance to do the work, do the work. If you're a Christian, remember I said in this morning's service that God wants you to be able to use your time wisely. If you're a Christian, using your time wisely not only means drawing close to him, but it means sharing him with the world. Let me ask you this, and we're going to close. Who is the first person you remember teaching you about Jesus? Your mom? Okay. How about you? Your mom? Okay. Do you, were you, okay. Who else? Who remembers the first person that told him about Jesus? Grandma. Grandpa, your dad, pastor at your church, mom, listen, my parents never mentioned Jesus to me. The first time I heard the message about Jesus was at a lock-in at a church. And you know, I, you know why I went to that lock-in? Because of a girl. 100% true. I, I went to a lock-in because there was a cute girl that I knew was going and if I thought they locked me in a church with her for 12 hours, I might be able to convince her to like me. 100% true. 100% stupid. But I went to that lock-in purely to try and, con- like, I have a shot of making this girl like me. And literally, dude, five minutes into the lock-in, she started dating my best friend. It was the worst. Uh. So I'm like, I hadn't even finished my snacks yet. Um, um, But so all of a sudden, I'm in this place I'd never been before. And this guy named Mike, Mike Kinlaw, he started teaching a lesson, something like I'm teaching now. He talked about Jesus. And he came and sat beside me at this event. And he said, hey. I saw how you were listening. It really looked like what I was saying was kind of hitting you. Do, you. do you believe in Jesus? Have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? I was like, what you said, like, hit me. I believe that's true, but I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior. He said, hey, can I pray with you? Would you like to do that? I mean, and he told me how easy it was. And I, right then, the first time I ever heard the gospel something in my heart I knew it was the truth and Mike offered it to me I said okay I was I, like I know this is true I'd never heard it before but it felt more true than anything I'd ever heard in my life and y'all how that's legit 25 years ago and I'm not and I've not looked back there's I've tested everything else and nothing else has come up more true than what spoke to my spirit that day I'm gonna tell you this if Mike had not come up to me after the message, listen, I didn't accept Jesus in the message. I accepted it because, Jesus, or because Mike knew that he needed to use his time wisely, and he offered to pray with me. My entire life changed because one person went out of their way to love me enough to tell me about Jesus. Y'all, some of you mentioned your moms, your grandpas, your dads, your pastors. Listen, what would your life be like if they never told you that? You might have heard it later, but it mattered because of who you heard it from. There are people in your life that will come to Jesus because they hear it from you. Use your time wisely. Because when you use your time wisely by following God, when we do the work that Jesus has called us to, lives are changed, not because of what we do, but because of what he does through our obedience. I just ask you this again. If you are here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, talk to your counselor. Not to be pushy, not to say that, but listen, I just want you to know, they're not going to badger you, they're not going to force you, they're not going like to put you in a headlock until you pray a prayer. <laughs> but what they will do, what they will do is honestly answer your questions, not because it's their job, but because they love you. And your counselors would love to honestly answer any questions you have about what it means to meet Jesus, okay? Let's pray together. Father, I love you. I thank you for being the God that you are. Help us to use our time wisely by not only drawing close to you, because, God, we know you have been so patient with us. But, God, help us to use our time wisely in you by not only coming to you But by taking you where we go, by sharing your heart for this world, by sharing your patience, your love, your grace, your forgiveness. God, help us to be that instrument of your love, that instrument of your truth, that instrument of your grace. Because, God, you have put us here to use us, not just for our enjoyment, but to build your kingdom and to help the lost know you. So, God, help us to love you and trust you enough to share your message with those that you put in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.